Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to continue talking to you today about creating your world with your word or with his word. Creating your world with his word. Creating your world with his word. And I want to steer a little bit differently. I want to talk about something that has to be combined to make that occur. Something has to happen for that to occur. Just as a little review, we know that God wants us to operate at the top of life. That God wants to fill our life with good things. He said he gave us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I want you to say that out loud with me. Say, he gave us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I want you to say it with me again. If you're new to Family Worship Center, say it anyway. If you're online, say it. And why do I have you do that? Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. And if you hear yourself, it's more potent than it is anybody else. So I want you to say that with me. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. Say, God wants me to live at the top. God wants me to have more than enough. Amen. And so, He wants us to operate in the full, the, to- the total uh, blessing of God. And He wants to supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But we said last week that we had to have our spiritual life dominate our natural life. Our spiritual life has to dominate our natural life. In order for us to have everything God wants for us, we have to have God's power working inside of us at a higher level than the natural side is working in us. I'm a spirit living in a body. I have a mind, will, and emotions. And if I want to get where God wants me to get, if I want to do all the things God wants me to do, if I want to have all the things God, God wants me to have, then I've got to allow what is God or God in me to operate fully so that I can have that fullness. How does that happen? That means that we have to have the Word of God as the dominant force in our natural lives. I want you to say that out loud. I have to have the Word of God as the dominant force in my natural life. We have to have the Word of God. Many of us have, have, have relinquished a responsibility as an individual. And we have stopped doing what's crucially important to believers. When we were kids, and I was a little kid, we were in the, in the kids' room. They would sing a song, if you want to grow, you got to pray and read your Bible. You know, you have to pray and you have to read your Bible. And so I want to say to you this morning, there are two things you have to do to function properly in all that God has for you. You've got to pray. Every one of us as believers, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Come on, somebody say, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And then secondly, we have to have the Word of God fully in us. We need to read our Bibles. I want you to look at your neighbor if you've got a mask on. If not, put your hand over your mouth. And I want you to say to them, you've got to read your Bible. Come on, you got to read your Bible. Many of us have relinquished our responsibility of reading His Word personally. But God wants you to read the Bible. You that are online watching this morning, you need to get your Bible out today and read your Bible. And it's so simple. You know what's great about this today, where we live in the world that we live today? You can, you can just about never have to read it personally. You can read with somebody. There's all kinds of things. that You get it to read to you online. Read your Bible. Say it with me again. i got to read my Bible. The Word of God has to become fully dominant in your life. you got to know more than a few, few scriptural stories. 
It's not just stories, it's real. He said, my words are spirit and they are life. His words are spirit and they are life. And so you have to have the full spirit of God, the full thrust of God in your life, and that requires the word. Let me say it again. Believers, you need to read your Bible. If I had people raise your hands in this room and find out who's been reading their Bible this week, and you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a, a whole chapters or, or whole books of the Bible. You have to have scriptures that you're meditating on. He said, I'll meditate in his word day and night, and I'll be like a tree planted. You've got to be, you've got to meditate. You've got to meditate. You've got to meditate on the word of God. Mull it over and chew it up. And, and it may be just a few scriptures. It might just be a passage. You could stay on a whole passage for a whole week and just meditate on it and speak it and, 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 and work that thing over and you'll find out that the word will become more dominant in your life. And I quote scriptures all the time, many, many scriptures. I learn them and, you know, just small things and I pick them up and it becomes life to me. It's not just, you know, a, a, an experience of reading the Bible. I let the word become revelation knowledge, life to me. And God wants the word to become life to you. We have to be fully dominated by our spirit man. Not just our natural man. For us to get to where God wants us to go. He intends for us to change the world. And not have the world change us. Somebody ought to shout out amen right there. Don't let the world change you. Don't let what you see on television be your motivation. I mean don't be listening to people. You know I'm careful not to listen to people who don't know Jesus. That want to tell me how to live. Somebody ought to say amen right there. If I'm going to listen to somebody. I'm going to listen to people who know the word. Who understand the word of God. I'm not going to let somebody who lives totally like the world. Full of the devil. That's full of de devilish behavior. And evil behavior. Try and tell me how I'm supposed to think. I'm going to let people who love God. Who are full of the word of God. I'm going to concentrate on those things. If you've been listening to the wrong voices. You need to switch voices. Somebody ought to shout it. Amen pastor. Preach that out. Say that out loud. Say preach that out. You ought to think about who you've been listening to. You ought to think about what voices are you concentrating on. And then I want you to evaluate how they live. If they live like the devil, maybe what's coming out of them is the devil. Somebody ought to shout out amen. Come on. This is good preaching. I know I don't have to point no fingers nowhere because I don't know who you watch or who you listen to or whatever. But I do know this. I'll listen to those who speak the word of God before I listen to anybody that speaks the world. How many know we've got to let our spiritual man dominate our natural man? And our natural man will begin to line up with our spiritual man when we have the word of God. You've got to read your Bible. Many Christians today don't read their Bible. They don't even know what they believe anymore. They don't know what God says about life. They don't know what God says about our relationship. They don't know what God says. You ought to know what God says. How many think we ought to know what God says? And we ought to concentrate on what God says. Somebody say, I ought to think like God thinks. Come on, you can say it better than that. This is a bigger house than that. There's more people in here than that. I ought to think like God thinks. And how can I think like God thinks? i got to read his word. i got to know him and concentrate. You know, if we were in the store, if Amy and I were in the store this morning, and we were on opposite places, if her and I were, you know, two or three aisles apart, and she was picking out peas and I was picking out bananas, and we were around here, if I heard her talk, I'd know she was talking. You know, if you've been married long enough, this is 24 years for us going on 24 years. You know, after 24 years and spending time together and hearing her talk, I know how she thinks. Not all of it, but I'm telling you, I know some things. I mean, you never know what a woman thinks. Amen, men? Somebody ought to shout at him. Just about the time you got them figured out, they change on you. 
I bet women feel the same way about men. Somebody ought to say amen. Or, or with, with women, they just look at men and think, we never think. How about that? Somebody ought to say amen. You know, listen, but I know her. The other day I was in the house, and Stephen and I were in the house, and, you know, my wife has a way of doing things. I'll criticize her, or used to. I don't criticize her much anymore. You know, you've been 20, 24 years married. You don't criticize as much. You just shut up about it. Amen. You young men that got married and you're in your first year, you'll get to the point where you just shut up about it. Amen. And, and it doesn't matter anyway because it's not that important. But Stephen was in the house the other day and we're standing there and something had come up and Brian got aggravated at Stephen. And so Brian is, is mad. Stephen's poking him or doing something. They're on the couch together and Brian don't want to be touched and Stephen's got to touch him. Stephen just got to touch stuff. And he just wanted to aggravate Brian. He likes to aggravate Brian. Brian's his younger brother. He just loves that. So he's picking on Brian, and every once in a while, Brian's like, stop. Don't do that. Stop. Finally, after about 15 minutes of hearing Brian yell, stop. Don't do this. I finally stopped it. Stephen, if you, if you don't stop, I'm going to touch you. <laughs> and it was all done. Stephen stopped messing with him. Brian's okay. Then something happened later. And all of a sudden, he yells out. I hear Stephen yell out, stop! Don't do that! And I know, I know where that came from. I know exactly how Stephen and Brian, when Stephen reacted that way, that's, Emily, that's Amy. You know, because if I would pick on Amy about anything, she would wait. I don't care if it was months. It doesn't matter if it was months. She would wait. And when I did it, she'd say, you just ran off the road like I did the other day. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And she pointed out, you know, and so I know. See, that's what I'm saying. I knew when Stephen did that, I knew, I knew where he got that. He picked that up from mom and dad. I won't tell you the faults they pick up from me. I'll just tell you the ones they pick up from her. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He, I knew where that came from. I knew exactly where that came from. And I could understand. When we know the Word of God, when we have complete understanding of the Word of God, and we get to know Him, we'll get to see Him in action in us. We'll begin to look like Him, and act like Him, and talk like Him, discuss things like Him, think like Him. And so we need to get in the Word of God and allow the Word of God to make these determining factors. The Bible says He wants me to live in heaven on earth. He wants us to live there. He wants us to live with relationships that are fully developed. He, you know, I mean, my wife and I, I, I constantly confess this because this is the will of God. He said, the two of you shall become one flesh. Now, when you get married, there should be a desire to become one flesh. One flesh. It doesn't mean that, you know, when I think about how I love my wife, the more and more we become close, that's what I see developing. I see this one flesh thing develop. We all, I took the family out last night. We all went walking down the trail, took the dog, and we all went down this trail. And so everybody wanted to go. And so we're all walking down the trail. And, and my body just, uh, it, it struggled a little bit. How many understand? I haven't walked like that or run like that in a while because of the sugar and everything. And so it's got to get back into some exercise, physical activity. And uh, I'm just breathing. And Stephen's looking over and saying, are you okay, man? Are you all right? And I'm breathing. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good. I'm going to make it the next quarter of a mile. <laughs> when you become one flesh, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have issues. 
It means that you'll live with it. You can, you can contend with it. You can, this morning, I'm, I'm getting ready for church, and I'm over across the street in my office, and I've, I've studied, and I'm making sure that I'm ready and prepared to tell you what I want to tell you, and I'm getting ready, and I start brushing my hair and spraying some hair, hairspray. And so as I'm spraying the hairspray, all of a sudden, something hit me on the arm. It felt like a snake bite. And all of a sudden, I got bit that somewhere in that room. A wasp came out and bit me on my arm. But I didn't throw my arm away. Somebody ought to say amen. I didn't say, you sorry arm. You can't hurt like that. See, we, 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 when we get full of God and we get the word of God in us, we begin to realize that as God works in us on our human levels, that God wants the most for us and the best for us, and that it doesn't mean it will always be perfect, but it always means I can overcome hard times. Somebody ought to shout out amen right there. Believers, you're going to have some moments in life. You're going to have some challenges. But when you're full of God and God's word is in you, the natural will succumb to the supernatural and you'll be able to survive. Many of us are so natural, we don't have any supernatural. We wonder why is our marriage falling apart? Why is there destruction? Why are there problems? Well, God said one flesh, but it didn't mean that that marriage would be without problems. That it would be completely and totally well. That I, No, it means that God will work with me and he will keep me and he will protect me. And I can trust him throughout everything that's going on in my life. Just shout this out. I can trust in God. He wants you to live above the world. He wants you to live in higher places. John 10.10 was one of the scriptures we used. If the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I came that you might have life. That you might have, the devil's our enemy. He is not our friend. And anything that operates like the devil, we should resist it and reject it. We should never believe that God is involved in those things. For God is good. Say this. For God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. If you come to this church, I'm going to get that in you. I'm going to fix you. You're going to be ruined. I promise you, you stay long enough, you won't be able to listen to that kind of teaching. You'll be able to listen to the good stuff, but you'll flip off the bad stuff. Because you know God is good all the time, and all the time. You won't accept the fact that somehow God is your enemy, that God's against you, or God's working to, to whip you when you make mistakes. Man, I've made a lot of mistakes, and God does correct me. God corrects me. He absolutely corrects me. He corrects me with his Holy Spirit and with his word. And when he comes with his word and he comes with his Holy Spirit, it makes an impact that nothing else will make. And we ought to let God correct us and deal with us and work on us. But he doesn't destroy my washing machine, tear up my car, mess up my relationship, destroy my family, and say, I'm teaching you something. That's not God. The thief is the one. Come on, somebody ought to shout out amen. The thief is the one that came to kill and destroy. I was corrected by my dad a lot of times in life. I really was. I mean, I, you know, I got whippings and I got a lot of things. You know, as you get older, there comes a time when your dad looks at you and says, I can't, I'm not going to whip you anymore. It's a waste of time. Every man's come to this moment with their dad where their dad just, you know, he'd take out the belt and you'd get a whipping. And then one day that just kind of stops, you know, or you ask him to stop. Somebody said, you know, dad, I appreciate you whipping me, but you know, that's not really effective anymore. Right? But I do remember there was one time when I made a, a vital mistake in my life as a young man. I really did. And it was critical and crucial. And, you know, as kids, you're always sneaking around. Or, you're, you know, I mean, you're not always. But if you're not careful as parents, you can cause your kids to sneak. I want to be real careful not to cause my kids to sneak. 
And you adults understand what I'm talking about. You're trying, to, you're trying to let them get out of the box. You know, when they start dating especially. Now, I haven't had one start dating, but I got one wanting to. <laughs> now, I grew up where there were no rules. You understand? I didn't, my mom and dad didn't make no rules. You know, I mean, I, at 16, I was buying jewelry for women. That was dumb. I don't know why my parents even let me do dumb stuff like that. Amen. Well, my son ain't going to buy no girl no jewels yet. Somebody ought to say, Shundai and amen. <laughs> but does he go off with it? Can she ride in the car with him and all that stuff? So mom and dad are working on it. He's back in the back listening to me. He's all right. He knows exactly all this stuff, so nothing's a mystery. And mom is, nope. I had no rules, so for everything for me, I said, Yep. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. He can ride with anybody he wants to. Mom's like, nope, we ain't doing that. Because we're one flesh. I'm saying, okay, we ain't doing that. <laughs> but you, you got, you know, we're putting these rules on them, trying to make decisions about all that stuff. And so in this case, I, I'm, I'm, I, I've made a mistake, a serious mistake. And uh, I've had to come home, and my folks found out about it. Somebody ought to say amen. How many know the Bible says God will reveal it? Especially if you've got a Holy Ghost mom. She could be laying in bed, and God show her a vision. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I used to come home, and my mom would say, come with me to the room. And we'd have to have visitation. She'd get down on her knees with me. We'd get down by the bed. This is a true story. She'd get down on her knees and she'd say, I want you to pray with me. Now, I wouldn't suggest you do this, moms. This was her way. I'm not saying it was right. But we'd pray God's wrath. God, if he lies to me, strike him with thunder and lightning. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. We'd pray for at least five or ten minutes about how God, you know, listen, God don't do that stuff. You understand? But that's all they knew back then. See, some of us grew up in that. We grew up in where God was striking folks dead because they made mistakes. Thank God he doesn't strike. We'd all be dead. Somebody ought to say amen. I'd be gone first. Amen. <laughs> For all of sin to come short. And then we'd go in the room and she'd, she'd say, I was praying tonight. And the Lord showed me you in this building. And then she'd tell me the story of what I did in the building. And then she'd say, did you do it? Now, I know God's going to kill me. <laughs> yes, I did. I remember those moments. As, 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 and, and now I know God wasn't going to kill me. Mom was trying to scare me. I think we've done that in church. We've done more to scare people about God than we have to tell them how much he loves them. God said he loved you in that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. Come on, somebody in this room ought to say, thank God he loves me when I make mistakes. Thank God he doesn't turn his back on me when I'm trying to get out of something. He doesn't throw me away when I've failed and fallen apart. Man, you ought to be excited because about the time you think you got it right, get in your car, drive down the highway, let somebody cut you off at the red light, and if you throw up the wrong finger, I'm going to tell you. Somebody, on, I know you're not going to do that, but I'm just saying. But I will tell you this. There is that moment when that happened. My dad turned his back and walked away from me. And for two weeks, 
for two weeks, he wouldn't talk to me. Now, that might not mean a lot to a lot of people, but I'm telling you, it meant a whole lot to me. And to this day, that correction is probably the greatest correction I've ever had in my life. That my dad, who loved me, who I had a special relationship, and I'm talking about your heavenly father here. There are times when we need to be aware when God's not speaking, it's because we missed it somewhere. He leads us and guides us and directs us and helps us by his word. See, if you're not reading his words, you're not getting the correction you need to become what God wants you to become. If you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, you're going to struggle because you're not hearing the, 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 the clarity of what God would say, don't make that turn. Don't go down that road. I can think of times when I dated girls, and the Lord was me. There was one girl I, was, I had decided to date, and I, I won't stay too much longer on this, but as we went out the first time and started this dating process, she came from a different background than me. But she was, she was a nice-looking girl, and we were in college together, and she liked me, and I had a nice car, and she liked that too. And so we get down to this lake, and we're walking around the lake, and she wants to get frisky. Somebody shout out, don't do that. And it was like the Spirit of God rose up on the inside of me and said, do you remember when my man ran from the woman who tempted him? And the Lord shot that in my spirit. I said, I really need to take you home. I'm not sure we're going to date anymore. I took her home. I followed that until the next day when I felt better about her. I didn't obey what God had told me. It turned out to be a very rough relationship. It turned out to be a mess because God had given me knowledge. I wish somebody shout out amen right there. See, we don't necessarily always want to listen. You know, most of the times when I counsel people in marriage, and, I deal, and I, you know, I hope this helps you. But I, I, and I would say to you, as you're already married, then it becomes the one. So I'm not talking about somebody who's already married. If you go into the point where you're going to go into divorce, God is wonderful. He's faithful. And he's just. He forgives us. And we can thank God, start over. Old things pass away and all things become new. We should never feel guilty. We should never. God does not bring guilt to us. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about people who are making decisions and choices. When, 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 we're, when we're being led by the Holy Spirit, when we're being given direction by the Holy Spirit, we need to follow that direction. And when we don't, it causes problems. When somebody comes to me with marriage problems, and usually it's at the point of divorce. I'm not talking about when we're not there. Because I always ask one question. Have you done everything? Have you done everything you can to let God work? Have you done everything you can to save this marriage? And they'll answer me, oh, yeah, we've done it all. We, done, we tried everything. I say, have you been to a marriage retreat? No, no. Never been to one of those. Have you been, how much counseling have you been to? How many marriage counseling sessions have you been to? Well, uh, none. How many, how many books have you read on marriage? Uh, none. Now, if you treated your job like that, and you never read the instruction manuals, and you never went to somebody to train you how to do the job, and you never watched anybody do it, you never got any experience, and you never were able to work up through it, maybe you didn't do everything. But it always ends up in the same kind of situation where we'll be talking, and it's always, in, in individuals, it's always the other person most of the time. I've only had one couple one time where the guy came in and said, I'm the problem, I'm terrible, and she needs to leave me. Now that's like never. Most of the time, it's like this. 
Well, he's a drug addict, and he won't quit doing drugs, and he won't, and he's this, and he's all these, and he won't pay the bills. And I mean, just that's how it goes. Then I'll go like this. Okay, I got what you're talking about. Um, maybe the problem, you know, is there, but let's go back a little bit. When you were getting married, and you were walking down the aisle, did you know then... Because the preacher can preach your wedding. Somebody can preach your wedding. <laughs> Everybody got silent. Shh, shh. It's silent time now. Shh. That's real preaching, see? Oh. I said, did the Lord talk to you or did you have a sense by the Holy Spirit that you were marrying the wrong person? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew I shouldn't have married them. I, I know I looked over so many signs, and I looked over all the problems, and I didn't actually see that he was drinking back then, and I didn't see that she had a lust problem. And I, and I just, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have married her. Come on, come on. But see, that's because we spend most of our time living more to the natural than we do to the spiritual. How many choices and decisions would we make? And certainly, like I said, once you get married, they're the one. They're the one. At that moment, we begin to work with God to supply uh, safety and protection to the marriage, and we try and work that out, right, the best we possibly can. And the Spirit of God will lead us the best He can with what decisions we make. He'll bless us as much as He possibly can. You can live full and successful and blessed in these decisions because God will continue to bless. But what would it have been like... If on the day we had made decisions like that, that we had listened to the Spirit of God and had the fullness of the Word of God. I want you to know something. I am so glad I did not marry that girl. I had a lot of things for her and none of them were love. We would be done. It would have been a divorce. It would have been a disaster. I'd have been living somewhere else. I wouldn't have been serving God like this. But I waited. See, I almost made a mistake, but I didn't. Somebody ought to shout out amen right there. I almost made a mistake, but I didn't. And now I'm happy. Full of joy. Walking trails. Loving my kids. <laughs> because I listened to the Holy Ghost and I listened to the correction of the word. God didn't have to beat me up, kill me, wreck my car, tear up my house to show me anything. If those things happen, it's because, I need to finish right here. It's because we fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. Say that out loud. We fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. Say it again. We fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. Then say this. We don't fight God. God leads us and guides us by His Spirit, and He wants us to live at the highest levels of life. If you're out there watching me today, God wants you to live at the highest levels of life. You might be out there and you heard this word and you know this is, maybe you're in that decision-making process. Maybe, you know, I noticed when I preach, God leads me. People don't always accept what you say, and that's part of the gospel. If we preach the gospel, it leaves two choices, acceptance or denial. 
receiving or rejecting. Today you have a choice to receive or to reject what I said. You can say, nah, nah, nah. You know. Or you can say, you know what, I need to be more in tune with my spirit. I have people come in the church, they sit all the time. I know when I'm preaching, I know it, that they're, they're, they're one of the people that I'm talking to at that moment. I know it. I don't have any doubt about it. It's not directed directly to them, but when somebody comes in and need, God speaks. You're out there, you're in this room, and you need to make things right with God. Don't reject Him, receive Him. Don't reject Him, receive Him. Today, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says in one passage that if we're in sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. We can start over right now, right this time. If you've been living in willful, habitual commission of sin, make that decision right now. Make that choice right now to reject the world and receive Jesus. I'm going to stop this and push on with this. I'm going in a new direction. Repentance is about not going a 360 not going in 90s, but turning around 180 degrees and following Jesus. I was going this way. I need to go this way. If that's you or you, we can pray together. If you've never accepted Jesus, the Bible says you must be born again. You have no options. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Pray this prayer with me. Just everybody in this room, bow your head. Say this, Heavenly Father. I receive Jesus Christ as your son. On this day, I call him Lord and Savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash them away. Cleanse me. Let me start fresh and new. I receive you, Jesus, in my heart right now. Amen.